The artist's brain is an independent variable. When brought into the everyday world, their senses find meaning in even the most mundane observations. The reaction must only be told by the artists themselves. I'm Loverboy, and this is an experiment. Today's guest hails from Los Angeles, California. He is one of my absolute favorite people in LA. He's the most mystical man out here. He can play every instrument. He's got perfect pitch and even better wardrobe. Please welcome Benny Lipson. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming on. I absolutely love this whole scene of the coat and Luna in your arms. This worked out naturally, yes. It's, we didn't direct this. It's beautiful. Please, uh, Chewy, give us the sponsorship. Um, tell us about this jacket real fast. Where is where is this from? This is called a Farwa. A farwa. And it's uh, from Saudi Arabia. I purchased it there at an outdoor market. Okay. Kind of like a, uh, it's called a souk. Like an, uh, is it kind of like a shook? Yeah. They, they would translate similarly. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot and, of haggling. Yeah. I, I bought a few of them and said, okay, if I buy this many, can I get a discount? And I was given a good price on it. Yeah. And he didn't want to get change. It was perfect. Unreal. And I know why, but will you explain to everybody why you were there in the first place? Uh, I was in Saudi Arabia working, playing music. There was um, there's like a yearly pop-up festival uh, for the winter season called uh, Riyadh Season in the capital. And uh, they had a big theme park there. And I was playing music from Marvel movies That's so as crazy. part of uh, a Marvel universe. And it was like an Epcot Center type thing. There's a Greece, there's uh, Japan and China and all these different worlds oh, uh, interesting. surrounding a lagoon. Um, and I had to take some of these back. It was, it was quite cold, uh, like desert chili. Yeah. Um, you don't, you don't expect it. Or at least I, yeah, I I, that, that kind of, yeah, just dry chili. Yeah. And, um, these came in great handy. I, I wore them when, once I got them, I wore them a ton uh, out there. And then I've been trying to keep them in style here. Yeah. Real fast. Tequila or scotch? I prefer tequila. Let's do it. So real fast, just to give an intro, I think a lot of the people on this podcast have met a good bulk of our friend group, I'd yeah. say, from Mickey to Dean to Kobe to Danny, um, the whole the whole crew. And I've been so excited to get you on. And my favorite episodes in the world of this podcast are just having the people on that I'd want to be having the conversations with or I would be having these conversations with anyways. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's been a week since I met you where I haven't seen you and had some sort of fun, great conversation, let alone the jams. Um, and just to kind of explain my introduction, <laughs> we all joke around, at least me, El, Kosh, a bunch of us, that you're like the most mystical person we know because you'll come to a, a party. First of all, I've never met somebody who genuinely just digs and, and goes through life with such a smile. And that's, first of all, it's very infectious, but it's also like it, it, it sets the standard for the room. It sets the bar. Um, yeah, I have resting smile face. Dude, what a better, what, what, what's better to have it's than kind that? Kind of though? always like, yeah, up here. I love it uh -huh. though, but it's real. It's like you're, you're genuinely that person and you come in, everybody's so happy. And 
I, uh, that video of you and I jamming that you sent over, I sent it to my brothers and both of them right away were like, holy shit, it's Benny. They love you to death. Oh, that's so great. I like to hear that uh, I'm considered a mystical person. And uh, I feel like I used to have a lot more uh, mysticism about Mm. me. And just when I was a little bit younger. And over time, I feel as though I've been less um, magical in that way. But But, uh, it it, it just evolves over time. But it's nice to hear when somebody says something like that. Occasionally, I ask a friend, I'm like, have I lost it? Is it gone? No, no, not at all. And I think there's also though, like there's a balance that needs to be there. There's a balance. There's some people that are like super mystical, but don't have a way to convey their happiness and their, their emotions to the rest of the, the world, which is fine. Everybody's got their own thing. But what I appreciate about you is like, you're always the life of the party, but you always have a way of getting other people to feel the same way. Like when you walk in a room, there's like the few people in the friend group. Like I think the two people that, that always come to mind are you and Allegra. When you guys walk in a room, everybody's smiling. Everybody's ready to jam or dance or have a great conversation. Like there's never a thought of like, should I leave LA? Because I'm leaving the family that I built. Totally. That I was no, welcomed into. We've got into. a good group here that's um, hardworking, <clears throat> but also makes time for everybody and for the events that we know will be bringing us together. Yeah, absolutely. So explain to everybody what you play because (laughs) it seems to be everything in the room. Well, uh, I started playing as a seven-year-old. I started taking piano lessons. My grandma played piano. She was a great pianist, like a stride player Mm -hmm. of the uh, Great American Songbook. And uh, my mom is a fantastic performer she's a singer my dad used to be a performer on broadway he's transitioned to photography since then and been a photographer much longer oh i saw his new polaroid machine at your birthday yeah 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 yeah. he's the fucking man um but um so my i was born you know i'll I'll, i i believe this affects my musical journey and i'll get into instrument into the instruments right after but um, when I was seven weeks old, I went on tour with my family. My mom was performing in Evita. If you're familiar with it, it's a musical about the life of Eva Perón hmm. in uh, Argentina. And Who's Eva Perón? She was a political figure in Argentina. She started um, poor, like uh, in a, and sort of rose to power through uh, dating and. She uh, ended up being the first lady of Argentina for like a populist movement mm. uh, for for Juan Perón. Anyway, it's a great show, and it was like the Hamilton at the time. It was very popular, and and um, so my mom did the show for many years, starring in it. And then there was a second national tour, and my brother and I were born. We went on tour for the first year, so. I was bathed in that music my first year of life. (laughs) Started doing piano. By by middle school, I started playing bass um, because I had $175 to Sam Ash after my bar mitzvah. And the bass player was graduating from middle school. 
there was nobody really in line after him. And so I'm like, well, I can read bass clef. Let me learn bass. Mm. I bought a cheap bass and got an amp, whatever. So you started with bass guitar, not an upright. Yeah, with bass guitar. By by, uh, high school, they found out I played bass, uh, electric bass, and they're like, we need upright players. I was at uh, performing arts high school as a singer. And uh, then I was doing a little bit of piano, but they're like, oh, we need you to play upright bass. So I started playing a lot of upright bass. And um, by the end of high school, I learned guitar because I wanted to play at Jewish summer camp. I wanted to be like the yeah. song leader. Oh, I know that feeling. As an assistant, you made like an extra 75 bucks a session, like yeah. $150 extra a summer to play a bunch of guitar. And I actually was very, very bad my first year. They banned me from playing bass. I would play bass and they're like, you can't play bass anymore because you need to get better at guitar. Um, so anyway, and then, so that's pretty much what I played for a while until um, pandemic. I started playing trombone. Okay. And uh, I had bought a trombone years before and practiced a little bit and then never really did. So I knew a little bit of how to play, but then over pandemic, I started practicing. And um, from there, I got a tuba and started playing tuba. I can play a little bit of trumpet just because of that, but I like only I would only do it for myself to record or something like that. You shouldn't call me to play trumpet. Were you? Did you always have? I, I'm pretty sure you have perfect pitch, right? Uh huh. To what? So, will you kind of explain what that means? Like, what extent? Like, if somebody opened up a door and it creaked, could you tell them what key that creak is in? Or yeah, what note that is? yeah, I could tell you what note it is. Uh, creaks can often like you can kind of find two notes like put together that make the sound and they're like two overtones, but it's really not, not that fascinating. Perfect pitch. I'll be honest. Uh, people make it out to be uh, something so much more exciting than it really is. Uh, yeah. I can just simply identify the note out of air. Does it ever get annoying? Do, do you ever wish you like, like I've heard horror stories in quotation marks of like people who it's so prominent and so instant in their mind that they like can't escape it. That also no, might be bullshit. No, it, it is, however, like a curse in the end because it starts to slip uh, over time. So I'll be fighting that. And I feel like I already am fighting it a little bit. Um, it's, it's never annoying and it's been only helpful in general for, I mean, but it's like, it's just a shortcut. Um, and when I went to school for music and stuff like that, I was just able to sort of use it to study less. Yeah. I didn't have to necessarily identify the song for like a listening exam. Let's say I just knew, oh, that song's in D. Did your brother, your brother, Jack, by the way, is he's a great musician. Yeah. Unbelievable musician. Does he also have perfect pitch? Yes. Yeah. yeah, Both of us. By your parents. No. My parents aren't musicians. They're they're performers. My dad used to perform, and my mom is a fantastic performer. Uh, but they're not they're not like musicians. But what was it like learning music as somebody with perfect pitch? Did, was it one of those things where they the first time they go up to you and they they give you a piano and they say this is your middle C? Was it more like an aha moment where everything started to make sense that you were already feeling, or was it just very quick to learn? Um, I, I don't know. I had a teacher that used to just turn me away from the piano and play a note and ask me what it was. 
I don't know if maybe she was training or if it was just trying to identify if I had perfect pitch built in. By eighth grade, I remember like understanding that it was different or or like not it, it wasn't um, universal. Yeah. I thought if you were a musician, oh, it just made sense that um, it just made sense that that song is in G. It starts on a G. This this is a G. This is a G. Okay, so. Yeah, that makes sense. This and that's not G. the case. Uh, people who have like super relative pitch, it's much better. You can cheat on reading. I can just read. I, I can sing something because I can just see the notes versus like I'm reading the intervals. Whatever. It's it's um, so, it's a tool that I've used. And really, it's great uh, as an accompanist. I did a gig uh, a few days ago at the Topanga Mall. I never, I yeah, I never worked with this singer before and she was fantastic. But um, we sang "Part of Your World" from uh, Little Mermaid, Alan Menken and Howard Ashman. Isn't that the video that you posted? Um, I did post a video. That was a different song. That's Tom Kelly, Billy Steinberg, uh, "Alone," that heart song. We got to go back to your memory after. But sorry, keep going. Um, no, uh, "Part of Your World." She just decided to sing the last bit, like up three, uh, up uh, a minor third. It, it came out of nowhere, but I was able to catch it because I have perfect pitch. That's and that so happens. Crazy. And that happens like at, at any gig. People just start singing, and I, I can say, "Okay, I know what key that is." Right, right off the bat. So, is your memory good outside of music? Because we also all kind of joke around that, like, we'll be doing a jam or whatever. Somebody will say a song, or they'll like hum the first two notes of a song, and be like, "Fuck, what is this song?" And you have it. It's in there. You might, whether it takes four seconds or 10 seconds to get it out of there, you have the song, you have the melody of it, and you have, obviously, you, you can play it because you have perfect pitch as well as the ability to play the instrument. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. I never think about that, like song memory, you're asking how I know, how I can well, my, remember My brother songs, was saying or? when he met you, he's like, this kid's a fucking jukebox, jukebox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've just heard the songs a lot. I mean, it's all the same. Music, work, most of the stuff kind of works the same way. You know, if you play enough, you've covered most like harmonic movement. And um, it, it, I feel like some stuff is just ingrained. Yeah. When we go through it at the jams or something, we call Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I just heard the song enough. Yeah, but I don't necessarily. I've heard those songs enough, but I still having that instant recall is not it's like most people I don't think have that ability. And I, I can understand also how that might be a weird question because it's like asking me, is it weird to walk? I've been walking for as long as I can remember. So it feels like this average thing that of course everybody can do, but I don't know. It's just, it's a weird thing to see in person to see somebody be able to recall so much information that maybe hasn't been touched in so many years. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's sort of inexplicable, like walking. Yeah. Um, I just can hear the song and uh, pretty much, you know, understand it. And, and you'd like, I, I, I did performing arts middle school. Like I was in band in middle school and high school. I went to a rigorous performing arts school and i went to conservatory college you do enough training yeah as well 
And I like studying and I like being a geek and digging into it. So um, is there any parts of it that you find frustrating having this much knowledge in, in music theory as well as the perfect pitch? Do you ever feel like it hinders your ability to kind of escape the guides, escape the rules? Um, no, I like the rules. And uh, I do have a friend that uh, has made a comment before along the lines of, I'm comfortable with the amount of knowledge I know on uh, knowledge I know. Yeah. about The amount of knowledge I have in music. Yeah. And I don't want to know more because I believe it's going to hinder creativity. But I like rules and knowing the rules helps me even more. I need guidelines and I need parameters and it helps me because um, I just, I like other songs and I'm able to easily identify what it is that I can replicate without, um, without duplicating it. Duplicating it? Well, rather I, I don't, I, I can uh, access a song that uh, I really love and I want to recreate, but I'm not going to necessarily like, copy it i'm going to be able to take because i'm able to analyze it i see through my training saying. and what age would you say you started to to realize that that this is it this is this is what you want to surround yourself with for the rest of your life or was there a moment where you were like this will be my career or was it more just one of these things where you were so focused on what you were doing that you never you never looked up to really to 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 set a specific goal, you were already like you're already doing it. You're already on your way. Um, I used to think, excuse me, a little bit younger that I didn't want to pursue music as a career. I went to school in Miami and I was in the music program, but I started taking like uh, broadcast classes mm -hmm. or like journalism stuff. Um, and they had a thing. They're like, this guy from ESPN is coming to uh, what? A, I forget. It was like a, everybody was there in suits, and they were clean shaved. And uh, I knew then that I couldn't hang. I couldn't mm. be that type of person in the workplace. I wanted to. I, I liked keeping my beard grown for November at the time. Every November, I would let it grow, you know, all month. And then um, I didn't want to wear a suit. And uh, yeah, I was, I mean, I just don't have any other skills aside from music. It's so interesting because most people I talk to on this podcast, so in the music world, and just are, are the, the people we surround ourselves with. Could there have been a plan B? Yes. But for most of us, it's not even this option of, did we make a plan B? That thought never came in our head. It was just like, this is what we do. Yeah. And there, I think there's always going to be times of doubt or, or judging yourself compare, or comparing yourself to your peers that maybe aren't in music and trying to put yourself in their shoes and see what it would feel like for a day. But like, I think most of us come back to this place of Plan Bs are for people that think that they need something else to fall back on versus understanding that whatever this life brings, whether it's wealth or not, whether it's stability or not, 
at the end of the day, making music is just kind of, it's, that's what I'm going to do. It's, it's, there's not as much of a thought process as people might think. It's just more this automatic, instinctual experience that you're just kind of relying on. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I'm happy to pivot, uh, maybe later on in life or something, but, uh, what, what do you I, think I don't have be? any, I have no other skills. Oh, I, something in like entertainment. I don't know. Writing, directing. Um, I think I'm a keen uh, person producing, I don't know, uh, nightlife. It's still the creative or something. Yeah. I would be around, around something that like involved uh, music, but, but it would be less what I do now, I guess, in like gigging. Yeah. as a musician and so how do you if you were talking to somebody who moved out to LA and they were great at playing a few instruments didn't necessarily want to be an artist per se or that's not what they were focusing on that wasn't 100% of their time what are some some key things you would tell them to do in order to either start getting in the right rooms and or start making some money using your instrument in whatever capacity that looks like? I mean, I think most of the stuff that I do now has just been through playing, <clears throat> being on the scene. I would number one recommend to somebody <clears throat> that uh, they should go to school. If, they, if they're if they like going to music school and they want to live in LA, they should probably go to school in LA. Mm, okay. That's interesting. Um, I, I think you should go to school where you like to live because the school connects you with a lot of opportunities in the community and that you continue to keep a relationship with the faculty who are often in positions to get you hired for different things like yeah. that. That's not something I did, but in, in general, I also grew up in LA. So some opportunities like um, they just know my name around because I've, been around long enough yeah your networking started before yeah. it was networking and i definitely think that uh, as a freelancer you need to establish yourself in the community long enough you can't just expect to show up and immediately get all the work mm. but yeah at this point like the having worked uh as a freelance musician um for like six years now in la enough people have worked with me where I'm getting calls and in yeah. far out places. And I guess part of it also is just the humility to understand that the only thing that matters is playing. And that's that, that is under the contract of playing my instrument, no matter what capacity I'm getting paid or what the opportunities and like, obviously there's limits and, you still have to eventually find a way to prove yourself as somebody that's worth a certain amount of money so you can continue this every day. But like, I know so many people who come out here and they expect to be playing Lollapalooza right away or Coachella, and they're not willing to go play at a small gig for 15 people or at a bar or at this or that. When at the end of the day, those that's how you build chops. That's how you get better. That's how the right person stumbles across you. I mean, have you found any pushback? With, with that and, and not wanting to play certain gigs because it was too small or not what you were dreaming of? Um, I'm certainly, when I was first playing, nah, when I first got back to LA, I was playing gigs with 
different bands um, because I had other work. I was teaching music at a synagogue. So I had my income figured out. I was making enough money to survive, so I didn't necessarily need to take paying work. And I just wanted to be in the scene and playing. But certainly uh, what I think makes a huge impact is going out and supporting other artists and other musicians yeah and being uh, and being present definitely helps to um start getting work and opportunities because you're actually showing up in people's faces yeah that definitely helped when i was first here in la i went out all the time um and i think some of our friends who um you were talking about earlier would attest to it that they're like benny was just constantly out making friends and being around new people and still I'd bringing say. people together and if you think it's if it's if you think it's intense now pardon me uh it was you know threefold yeah really it was uh i, I made records of like four shows at different bars in one night where like it just worked out seven o'clock eight o'clock nine o'clock ten o'clock have you always been good at scheduling in that communication aspect of this because that is i mean obviously first of all just to preface this i've been asking you to come on here and we've been talking about this forever this is this was going to happen sooner or later and will happen many 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 more times but part of the reason that we ended up doing this is because i i'm terrible at communication and as my network grows and as my friend group grows and as my career grows it's only becoming a larger larger part of my life and that's something that i'm really working on is trying to get better at answering people quicker answering more efficiently not just looking for conversation but sometimes giving information quicker so i don't have time to forget to give it to them and that's kind of how i ended up uh missing my original podcast for tonight and then you texted me out of the blue what's going on tonight and it's just i think it's just kind of another example of what you're talking about you're always looking for the hang you're always looking for the opportunity to go be with friends and find new experiences and first of all it helped me out because i have a podcast but also i feel like these are some of my favorite ones where where it's this spur of the moment thing but where i was going with all this is it just it's just another proven point that you 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 sometimes have to be the one who initiates the hangs because some people just are terrible at it. It's not that they don't want to; it's just that they're bad at it. That's something I'm working on. That I look up to the what what you do is like. That's a really good thing to do, and that's clearly something that's very obvious here. Is you initiate it. You're you're always the first person to be like, "Yo, what's going on?" You you always show up if you say you're going to be there. You, you're there, and you're there when you say you are or you will be. Um, were your parents like that? What, how was that kind of installed in, into you? This, uh, yeah, my parents definitely are good about that stuff. And uh, my dad has said things like, "You're only as good as your word," and I do believe in keeping your word and saying you'll be somewhere and being there. And uh, and very much the golden rule. Pretty much any religion. Um, has some sort of idea that evolves in um, you only get what you give or uh, treat others the way you want to be treated. So I would hope that people uh, would 
keep their word with me. And so I try my best to keep my word and to get it back as well. And um, I definitely have some friends that are intimidated by that. They're like, we can't be as close because they don't want to keep their word yeah. <clears throat> as strong as, and, and uh, you know, good on them to know like, okay, then we can't be close because uh, it's going to, that's important to you. Yeah. It's, it's going to yeah, and, cause a fissure in the relationship. And I'm trying, because I, I do, if I tell somebody I want to do something, I mean it. And I've definitely gotten better. But my, I still always have way too many unread messages. And, and part of that right now is I'm just in that place of I'm working a full-time job, you know, 40 plus hours a week, coming home, not even stepping inside, going right to the studio, doing a podcast and then editing until I can't keep my eyes open anymore. So I, I'm at this place, but that's also no excuse to not. To, I think a lot of this just comes down to doing it right away. And just answering when somebody texts you and not waiting an hour because you'll probably, that hour will turn into two days. And, and just doing things a little bit quickly. Um, whether you like it or not, it's, it's probably going to help you in the long run. Yeah, well, I, I certainly think that uh, like a level of professionalism or, again, keeping your word is uh, valuable in being hireable and being uh, easy to work with. Mm-hmm. And, um, I certainly believe that some of the people that we strive or look up to, we strive to, you know, to be like, or look up to, they keep good schedule or they have routine built in. And, um, again, I like rules. I like guidelines. Yeah. And, um, so that's good to, to keep word and, and. I was sort of feeling lazy yesterday. I told somebody I would go to this backyard jazz thing. And uh, then I was like, oh, I just want to kind of play and uh, practice a bit. But I kept my word and it was good. Anyway, I I was <laughs> like, I was like, there was no question. I'm going to make it because yeah. I said I would. Yeah, that's that's something that, that I'm working on. And if you're listening, I encourage you to work on whether how good you are at it. It can always get a little better, I think. Um, but it does make a difference and, and I'm always so appreciative when people are better at it than I am because I have so far to go and I'm trying to get good at it because it really does make a difference. The one thing I'm not is I'm not late. I'm never late for things. Uh, good. In fact, I'm even the, the job I've been working for a year, I'm still always sitting outside 15 minutes early. Which... I worked with a drummer. Um, my brother and I write music and play it together. And uh, we worked with a drummer. She used to be late all the time. And she blamed it on traffic, which I thought was a lousy excuse in our city. You know, you just have to allot for that. Yeah, yeah. You know it's going to be there. And, and from Burbank to uh, to Sherman Oaks, uh, that's not... Yeah, no excuse. Not, not traffic. Okay, so... I'm going Glendale to Woodland Hills at 9 in the morning. It's bad? Oh, yeah. It's taking me an hour. Dang. But I'm not late. Yeah, no, you can't be late. No. So And then of course some people say on time is late. Drummers are very good at, at timeliness. And it's not because they play drums. I so I'm shocked. You're a drummer and you're saying you're oh no, you're saying you're good at time. Excuse yeah. me. 
I am good at time. Um, being on time. So just not answering things on time. Um, yeah, I've noticed that <laughs> most drummers are very punctual. Yeah. Benny. Yeah. This is so fun. We're not done yet, but we're we're getting close. Okay. Before we end, what do you want us to know? Well, those listening, we have listeners where? In Los Angeles? Yeah, there's okay, listeners. Okay, good. A little bit everywhere. Listen, so <clears throat> we talked a lot about uh, me as a musician here. And um, I would like to, even before musician, identify as a performer. Um, I'm confident that I'm on top of my game right now. And I'm ready to put myself out there. And I'm wearing my big coats. Why wearing your big coats? And I got my cool shoes. So what I'm hearing is if you're looking for somebody to stand on stage, to play in the studio, to maybe go on tour. Yeah, I'd like I'd like all those opportunities. And um I'm playing weekly here in Los Angeles. Tomorrow night. Every Wednesday night at Thai Angel Bar. It's uh in either North Koreatown or South Thai Town, however you want to look at it. But uh, Possibly in Larchmont? <clears throat> possibly Larchmont. It's Benny Lipson and the Penang Gang. Yeah. There's good Thai food, there's drinks. And uh, I'm playing music that I like, originals as well. And uh, just like having a good time, people come and sit in and play. So if you're a musician, we'd love for you to come and play. It's so crazy that you go there and just the killers... That, that go on stage and the people in the crowd who come up, it's, it's, it's underrated. It, only come though if you want to hear fucking great music and have a good time. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I'm definitely looking for those who are interested in having a good time. Yes, sir. Um, so it's something that I'm interested in building out. And if it doesn't happen at Ty Angel uh, for some reason, then I'll do it somewhere else. But I just have to play and perform and I love music. I love playing these songs and I have no outlet to perform these songs that are otherwise kind of buried. Mm. Uh, I got this Barry Manilow tune on tap that like yeah. people hear Barry Manilow and let me say I'm a fan of Low. He's amazing. Barry Manilow is so good. And people are, you know, they're like, oh, dollar bin Barry. He's, <laughs> he's stuffed in the dollar bin because he sold a lot of records. That's why he's in the dollar bin now because he sold them um, tons of records because he's so good. Um, but again, I'm about to put somebody who would say like, Oh, Barry Manilow, what are you talking about? I got two 23 year olds hip to this Barry Manilow tune. I'm like, Oh, this one's awesome. You know, my guys that played with me, Michael Campanelli and Matt Sukert. Shout out. So, um, (laughs) you you know, Fanilo. Oh yeah. Fanilo. Yeah. I, I love, and so, yeah, you know, I get along with moms because of that and I love other stuff like that. But uh, we play Michael Jackson's tunes. We play uh, Paul McCartney. I'm playing a lot of Al Jarreau. That's my favorite. You got me hip to Al Jarreau. Yeah, oh, I love Al Jarreau. What was the song? The, does um, anyone want to go waltz uh, in, in the yeah, garden? Yeah, roof, roof Garden. How does it, he's got the... the bow, 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 bow. Yeah. <laughs> I does anybody want to go waltzing in the garden? Does anyone want to go dance up on the roof? Yeah. Such good stuff. So good. Abe Laboreal uh, plays bass on a lot of those records. Who is it? Abe Laboreal. Who is Abe Laboreal? 
He's a fantastic bass player. Uh, he was a session player touring. And um, his son, Abe Laboreal Jr., plays with McCartney, tours with McCartney, Clapton. Oh, shit. Oh, he's amazing. Actually, I saw Paul McCartney play. And uh, Abe Laboreal Jr. sings. He doubles Paul McCartney. And he provides the pitch. And Paul just provides the sound of Paul McCartney's voice. <laughs> Together, they make Paul McCartney in pitch because he's a little bit losing it at this point i mean love paul mccartney though yeah but but once you get to a certain age it's that's tough that's tough i can't keep pitch now i'm not at a certain age uh it's very difficult but you got to keep your instrument oiled you have to practice i love practicing now i used to not really care about practicing and uh over lockdown playing trombone i started enjoying practicing and that's why i said earlier i feel like i'm on top of my game like I'm locked in as a musician because I have a practice regimen. Man, that's such a huge part of this in any aspect of this. If you're a musician, if you're a songwriter, if you're a producer, if you're an artist, fucking practice, practice, practice. Mm-hmm. It will get yeah. easier and it only gets more fun too. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've been writing less. And when I practiced less, I wrote more. And uh, I was very oiled. I wrote, I was able to write easily. I, I really loved my style. Yeah. And then now I don't do it as much. I'm practicing more. And, uh, you know, I compromise that fluidity. Yeah. That's understandable. I mean, I feel like you can't spread yourself too thin. And sometimes one has to outweigh the other. But it's, it's, I feel like it's not always about the balance in short term. But sometimes it's the balance long term. And having a plan and sometimes what you have to be heavier on one part in order to 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 get it to grow. And then you switch over and, and sometimes writing needs to be the muscle you're flexing um, constantly to let it grow. And sometimes practice in as an instrument needs to be yeah. uh, needs to be the muscle that's flexed. I'm a student of music forever. That's playing, that's listening, that's recording, whatever it is. But I, I'm I'm happy to uh, live that. It gives me purpose on a daily basis, which is nice. I feel uh, pretty lucky in that regard I, because uh, maybe there are a lot of other people that don't have that same passion. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to judge other people on that. But uh, I love music. And people will be like, oh, you don't work a job. Like, are you bored? I'm like, I'm never bored. No, there's so much I could be doing. Absolutely. And there's practice and there's playing and there's there's looking for new opportunities and making connections. I mean, this is a yeah. – it's I don't care what you say. To, to make it in this industry in any fashion is a full-time job. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the yeah you were talking about the, the managerial aspects and things yeah. like that. Yeah, you hope it takes up less and less time. Yeah, well, we also got between our friend group. I feel like there's such a broad. We all have such broad talents and specific talents as well that we can help each other out with. And I feel like that's that's one of the nice things about our our friend group is there's always somebody there with an answer for something. Um, and I guess that's a big part of this is just find your community and. There's a lot of there's a lot of learning to be done mm-hmm. just between the people that you're surrounding yourself with. It's important that you stick to whatever you'd like to do. Yeah. I think uh I would make that clear. If there if people listen to this this podcast, are they looking for like uh 
little nuggets for their career or their journey? I'm curious. I I think that's up to each person, but hopefully, hopefully that they're whether they're looking for it or not, they're finding some stuff because I sure as hell am talking to to hundreds of amazing people who are also obsessed with the same thing I am, which just happens to be music. Yeah. But yeah. You know, uh, as long as we're talking about some of this stuff, I miss the culture a little bit where people were extremely hard on and, and critical of music. Mm. Uh, my brother's in this musical theater songwriting program. It's an iconic program, the BMI Musical Theater Writing Workshop in New York. New York. It's been there for like 60, 70 years, something like that. And um, the guy who started it, if you presented a song and he didn't like it, he just crumpled the paper and threw it in the trash. There's something baller about that. Yeah, and I'm, that might be going a little too far. Yeah, but, I think there's uh, a balance to be had there, but you can definitely... I There's a difference between being a people pleaser and just being honest. Yeah. Like if you can be honest with intention to help the person grow, if it's the right situation, it's also just reading the room. But like if I'm with a friend and they want to know about a, a, a song that's that they're going to get mixed, maybe it, it's still at the place where they really do want, they're asking for questions of how they can make it better or change things. I'm not going to fucking hold back. I'm going to give them everything I got. If they're showing me a song right after it's mastered, but really they're just saying, hey, listen to my new song, I understand the time and place. and I'm just going to let them know, I love you. This is great. I'm excited for you and let them go on their way because there's a time and place to be. You know, I'm not going to go tell somebody their song shit after they got it mastered. Clearly they like it. They've already spent the money on it. They're not changing anything. So why tell them anything to change? But if they're going to go mix it and it's yeah. that pre-stage, Fucking give them everything you can if you if you believe in them. Right, yeah. And I believe that honesty is <clears throat> excuse me. That honesty is founded in more love than just like a little bit of praise through a fake smile. Yeah, absolutely. Let's end it on those words, Benny. That's a real smile. <laughs> yeah. Somebody asked me, they're like, Benny, why are you always smiling? I love it. And I just, I don't even think about it. I seriously don't. If the world could be more like Benny Lipson and smile a little bit more, it might be a well, little bit adds, better place. Uh, age, right? I'll take the age over the, the, unha- the unhappiness. <laughs> Benny, thank you very much for coming on. Much I love, love you. Thank um, you so much. Let's go. Find me at the ticket stub. On, on what? On Instagram. And do you have a TikTok? No, I'm not on TikTok. You got to make a TikTok. I'll think about it. I'd like to just do whatever. I promise myself the next thing, the next big thing. MySpace. I'm on. If it's, I don't care what it is. When they're like, this one is the new thing, I'll do <laughs> it. On. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Wise words from Benny Lipson. I'm too late. To <laughs> but I got vids on Instagram. I got reels, whatever. I'm in, I, Go check it out. If you want weird, interesting music. Check them out Wednesdays. Find that. Yeah. Ty Angel. Penang gang. Tie, tie, angel. Tie, tie, angel. Tie, tie, angel. Tie, angel, tie, angel. Benny Lipson, I love you very much. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, we'll see you again next week. And to everybody out there, I'm Benny Lipson, and this is an experiment. Yeah, it is. Love you guys. Bye.
experiment. <laughs> 